Hey, good morning, City Light. So good to have you here. My name's Glenn. I serve as one of the pastors here. And um, we have been in the middle of a series. We're getting ready to wrap it up. It's called A Church After God's Own Heart. And um, our endeavor through this entire last, I don't know, three months now has been for City Light Bennington to become a church after God's own heart. We want to see what God sees. We want to perceive things the way that God perceives them. We want to love what God loves, love how God loves. We want to run away from things that God hates. We want to know who God is and be like him in Christ's likeness. Uh, this morning, by way of introduction to what we'll be talking about, I want to do something that's very unique. It's never happened on the stage of City Light Bennington before. I am going to hum the melodic line of a song. It is a contemporary worship song, quite popular. I'd be surprised if uh, you didn't know what it was. Now, I risk great shame in doing this because I could hum this and nobody in the room knows what I'm humming. Um, I've already done business with the Lord, so I'm okay with that. Here's the song. Just kidding, that's Mary Had a Little Lamb. Okay? Here's the song. Waymaker. Waymaker. Why do I hum that song to you today? Well, the first time that I ever heard that song, it was not being sung in the English language. Um, I was in Cuba. I was in the middle of a house church filled with men, women, and children who had next to nothing. Uh, if someone wanted to start a church, they would clear out a family's living space, move them into an area of the house to live in even tighter spaces so that the living room or, or the main area could be used as a church gathering. This is a place that's under communist rule. These are people who receive government rations. Um, and yet, these are people who in that room, with me bearing witness, were tear-filled, joyful, at peace, filled with hope, content, loving God and loving one another. I'll never forget the first time that I heard Waymaker back in the States. I'm not kidding you, it was probably a year later. I don't listen to a lot of, you know, contemporary Christian stuff. You can judge me later for that. But um, I heard it, I said, this sounds really familiar. And I realized this is the song that those families were crying out in worship, uh, singing. And I, I want you to know, City Light, this morning, right now, what, what's the time? It's almost 10.30 a.m. our time here. It's November 13th. I want to awaken us to a reality. Um, people are worshiping Jesus today across the globe. I, I want to awaken us to a reality that in, in the next 20 minutes that I'm talking here, uh, people for the first time will be bowing their knee to Jesus uh, people for the first time will have the light of Christ shining in their heart. The good news and the hope of the gospel that a Savior has come will reach their heart in such a way that they will cry out in faith. They will repent of sin. They will place everything, all their trust, all their hope, all their identity, all their life in the one true God. 
Jesus. And these are people who are in different traditions than we are, people who speak different languages, people who are in different cultures, people who have a very unique perspective and worldview compared to what we have, and yet we are united to them by faith in Christ. This morning I want to talk to you, City Light Bennington, about God's heart for the nations. God's heart is that he would be glorified in all the world. God's heart is not that the story of Scripture would be that one day the good news of the gospel message reaches northwest Omaha and a particular street and a particular address and you and or your spouse and that's the end. The story of the gospel is that as it reaches people, it moves forward. It is always increasing. It is always bearing fruit. It matters that we see God's heart for his glory across the globe. And so what we're going to do this morning, I don't have anything but my Bible and some sticky notes. I want to go old-fashioned, and I, I just want to do something unique. I want to take us on a journey with a lot of scripture at a fast pace. And I want us to go from Genesis, mostly chronological, through to Revelation. And I want you to try, try to walk out of here today not having a heart. For the entire globe. Try to walk out of here today after hearing what God says about the nations not being moved at all with a heart toward his glory across the globe. So I want you to open to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and I'm going to get us started. God created a world, City Light, where his intent in creating man and woman, we see in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We talked about this last week, but God's, God's design from the outset of everything is that he would create humanity uniquely compared to all the rest of his creation. And what would be unique about men and women? That they bear the stamp, the image, the reflection of God. God actually wants us to resemble him. God desires in Genesis chapter 1 to create an earth where he partners with people to rule and reign. If you look at the next verse, 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God cares about the manifestation of his glory. And in the very beginning, he intended to do that through human beings, men and women. Now, we kind of know that the story goes south, right? We're really bad at living out that original plan and design and intent. In Genesis chapter 3, God, who's so committed to his glory, he has Adam and Eve say, we want to be committed to ours. We don't care about making a name for you. We want to make a name for us. They rebel against God. They say, your way is not the best way. We have a better way. We want to call the shots. We want to make the decisions. We know better what's best for us, and so off we go. The curse of sin enters the world. In Genesis chapter 6, the heart of mankind is so evil continually that one of the most sobering things you'll find in human history happens. God sends a flood. He wipes out everyone and everything except for Noah, his family, and the ark. 
And all the way in Genesis chapter 11, right? Chapter 2 through chapter, or chapter 3, chapter 2 through chapter 11 are abysmal, okay? It just keeps going downward, downward. You see an expression that is true of each of us. Did you know, church, there is a trait, a sinful trait, that's in every one of us today, just as loud as it was back then. And the temptation for us is to be inward focused. It's pride. It's the root of all evil. It's at the bottom of every sin. It's, it's pride. And in Genesis chapter 11, uh, this is what happens. There's the story of the Tower of Babel. God had commissioned people, pay attention to this, be fruitful and multiply across the earth. And they all were really fruitful, so they were obedient to the first half. They didn't multiply and, and move across the earth. They gathered together in one place. And here's what they said in chapter 11, verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Well, we know what God does. He disperses them over the whole earth. He ruins their language, multiplies them, spreads them out. But here's the thing. On the very next page of scripture in Genesis chapter 12, a foundation, a covenant is laid that tells the story that reaches us today. There's a man named Abram. God has no image bearers on the earth, and so he finds this guy Abram, and he says, hey, I want to make you a great nation. He forms through Abram the nation of Israel, God's chosen people who will be God's reflection to every other nation in the globe of who he is. And so in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. There's that word blessing again. And make your name great so that what? You will be a blessing. I want to stop right here. If you're a Christian in the room right now and you would raise your hand to say, yes, I've been blessed. That blessing, God purposes. It's not a blessing that is an end of itself. It's a blessing meant to meet us that we steward to bless others. And look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, what? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. We begin to see a picture here of what God intends to do. God wants to bring blessing to his people so that his people might bring blessing to the earth. This is worldwide blessing. This is the beginning of a plan where later we will see Jesus comes in and expands it. And it moves beyond the nation of Israel and it moves toward us. But here's what I want to do. I want to ask the question, why does God do any of this? Why does God create people? Why does he bless us? Why does he purpose our lives? Why is he doing this? And I want to show you um, in scripture why God does this. If you go to Exodus chapter 9, y'all know the story of the Israelites being enslaved in Egypt. Story of Moses. They are in chains. They are an oppressed people. They've been crying out and praying for hundreds of years, God, please save us. God inclines his ear. He basically has a war of the gods with the world's superpower at the time, which is Pharaoh. Nobody messes with Pharaoh. Pharaoh himself is a god. 
untouchable. And Moses, a meek man, is sent to Pharaoh to say, on behalf of God, let my people go. God hears his people and he wants to respond to them. But in Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, we get exposed to something. You may think as you read the story of the Exodus that God saves his people. He rescues them and he makes a way for them because he wants to show his love to them. I would argue, yes, of course, but there's a greater purpose. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, God, through Moses, says, but for this purpose I have raised you up, talking to Pharaoh, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. The prophet Ezekiel, chapter 20, he's looking back at what happened at the Red Sea. We just sang about it earlier. God, I need you to do the same thing for me. Open up the Red Sea. Ezekiel, looking back at why God did that, says that God did it for his namesake. For his namesake. God did it because his name will not be profaned. Why did he do it? God did it because he wants to show his everlasting name. He wants to show, I'm ta- I'm, these are biblical, this is biblical language, his glorious name. He wants to show, there is no one like me. No one like me, and there is no one who can do what I can do. My glory, my kavod, which is the Hebrew word for glory, my weightiness, my honor, my supremacy, how ultimate and central I am, will not be questioned. And so I will move and I will work in human history to provide for my people. Not just to provide for them, but to show, put some respect on my name. So, we keep moving forward. What do we get to? First Samuel. What did we sing about earlier? The story of David. David. This young shepherd boy who gets put up against Goliath. You know, I may not face Goliath, but I got my own giants. Okay, listen. Why does God use David, a young shepherd boy, to take down Goliath? First Samuel chapter 17, verse 46 David says to the Philistines and to Goliath, this is so amazing. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Fighting words. And I will give you the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Oh, there's one more portion left. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Psalm 46 Oh, here we go. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Mm. Put that on the coffee mug. <laughs> Take it right now. Go get the tattoo. Go find the journal that's the only Christian one you'll find at Walmart that has that on the front in calligraphy. Put that on Insta, right? Psalm 46, a handful of verses later, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Church, did you know that there's a second part to that verse? Psalm 4610b, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know what we shouldn't do? We shouldn't take scripture and steal away its global implications so that we can have some reduced stress. We should take every portion of scripture that we can read and understand. We should put it in light of the grand story 
that God is writing. We should put it in light of the grand history of humanity, that God is moving forward, and it's going to end in a way that we'll see soon. Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, he's prophesying of the Messiah, and here's what he says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. We're starting to get a hint that the blessing, just like back in chapter 12 of Genesis, is not just for the nation of Israel. He continues, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk is a prophet who is lamenting evil in his day. If you look around at our, our globe right now, is there evil? If you were to actually take the time to pay attention to how much evil is happening every day in our world, would you be overwhelmed? If you were to be able to peek actually behind the curtain and see real atrocities, real sin, real evil, real abuse, real murder, real warfare, all of it happening in our world, would you be overwhelmed? Habakkuk was in a similar state, but he had hope. In chapter 2, verse 14, he declares, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Some of y'all, you need to keep coming with me. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 11. The Lord will be awesome against them, against two, for he will famish all the gods, lowercase, lowercase g, of the earth. And to him shall bow down each in its place all the lands of the nations. You know that across the globe right now, just as much as here in Bennington, when people meet Jesus, they're coming to the realization that every lowercase g God that they have been functionally worshiping in their life, the things that they find peace in, the things that they find hope in, the things that are not secure, the things that can be straight take, taken from them in a heartbeat are failing them. Right now across the globe, just as much as right here in our community, people are getting faced with the reality that there is one God who keeps his promises. There is no other God. There is no other God. And we treat a lot of things as if they are God. We worship them. We bow down to them. We, we, we live our lives in a way that will merit something from them. They cannot give us what Jesus Christ can give us, not even close. And so this prophecy is saying, hey, God is bringing idols to crash down across the globe. This is the plan. Malachi, the very first, the very last book of the Old Testament. For from the rising of the sun, verse 11, to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. Are you hearing God, church? And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for, again, my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And then what happens? It's something that you and I have tasted and seen that is so good today. The blessing that God gave to his chosen people was unleashed from heaven to the whole earth. And it came through the person and work of Jesus Christ. God sends Jesus to come to planet earth, to come and dwell among us, to take on skin and flesh and bones. He lives in our place as a perfect substitute, sinless. He dies an atoning, sacrificial death on the cross for our sin. He grants us freedom. He gives us freedom from sin's penalty. He gives us freedom from sin's power. He promises us one day freedom from sin's very presence. Look at Luke chapter 24. 
verse 46, here's what it said of him. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to Bennington. Nope! To all nations beginning from Jerusalem. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, what does he have to say about this? Verse 7, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Remember that a promise way back in Genesis chapter 12. I'll make you a father of a great nation. I'll bless you. Your family will be the conduit to blessing for the, all the nations, all the families of the earth. Verse 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's us, by faith, preached the gospel, the good news beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Wow. Do you know that right now we are in an era of redemptive history? Church, right now, this ragtag gathering of people in this small town in Nebraska are living in a time that is between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. How will we steward this era? How will our church steward the life and time that we are living in in God's grand story? How will we take on responsibility for where God has us in this great plan? It's a beautiful plan. It's an amazing plan. And in case you missed it, it's the plan. There's no other plan. Every purpose of God will not be thwarted. He wants worldwide glory. People don't know nothing, all right? <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. He doesn't know. God's Mr. Worldwide, all right? Remember that. I didn't plan to say that, but it just came up in my mind. And sometimes you regret some things when you say them in the pulpit, but that's okay. I want to speak now in how we steward this. It all comes down to one thing. It comes down to our identity. Who are we, church? Who are you, Christian? Who are you? The image of God has been marred in humanity, but when Jesus comes, he makes us a new creation. And I want to show you in Scripture, we're going to keep going, Matthew chapter 28, very familiar. Jesus came to them and said, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, we are not the main characters of God's story. He is. You are not the main character of your life. Jesus Christ is. He has blessed you to be a blessing. He has reached you on his way to reaching someone else. And that blessing is to be extended across the globe. We are disciple makers, according to Matthew 28. In Mark chapter 6, verse 15, Jesus says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We are disciple makers, church. We are proclaimers of good news. In John chapter 20, here's what Jesus says. He says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We are disciple makers. We are proclaimers. We are, by definition of our identity in Christ, we are sent ones. City Light, wake up. We are sent ones. Jesus has 
commissioned us in Acts chapter 1-8 on the next page. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are disciple makers. We are proclaimers of good news. We are witnesses. We are spirit filled. Romans 10 verse 14. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You want to know what this good news is? I want to read to you a list of things that God does in Scripture for the sake of his name. And I want you to ask, is this true of your life? God blots out transgression for the sake of his name. God forgives sin and forgets sin for the sake of his name. God preserves life for the sake of his name. God brings souls out of trouble for the sake of his name. God leads for the sake of his name. God guides for the sake of his name. God listens, he hears, he pays attention for the sake of his glory and his name. God intervenes, God suffers at the cross for our salvation for the sake of his name. That his name would never be profaned. That his name would be glorified and renowned in all the earth among people from every tribe, nation, and tug. This isn't a small thing. This is a big, grand thing that we are a small part of. And praise God that he's called us Christians into something that is not so small as our little kingdom, but it's a story that's so much more significant than just our little story. God has given vision and purpose to our life. I'll never forget when Roy and I first partnered up and said, hey, let's plant a church together. We started dreaming, what kind of church do we want to be? And I remember we printed out these little nifty, we thought they were so cool, they were bougie, these little... You know, like you could feel the cover. It was really nice. It was a little church planting prospectus. And we'd give it out to people who'd come into our prayer gathering and say, hey, check this out. This is going to detail to you kind of who we are, why we want to plant this church. This is going to show you the current reality in our area. This is going to give you some of the, the vision and the definitions of who we want to be and what we want to value. Here's our, our financial game plan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things in there was that we would be a church committed to a cause much greater than ourselves that we would be people, Romans 12, who are offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That we would be a people, Galatians 2.20, who've been crucified with Christ. That we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Some of you right now, you're feeling this. You're feeling, man, I've been head down, marching day by day, trying to carry out my own affairs, figure out my own things. God has such a bigger vision for your life than you do. And he wants it not to just end right in your house with your kids. He wants it to go to all the globe. And I'm going to say it over and over and over again. Here's the prayer. God, release me from an egocentric faith. God, release me from not seeing the purpose of your blessing in my life. It's not just for me. It's for my neighbor. It's for my peers. It's for my classmates. It's for the rest of my extended family. It's for my coworkers. God, make me as passionate 
as you are about your name and your glory. Give me the same kind of passion for your name and your glory. Change is uncomfortable. Change in our hearts is not something that we all like to receive. It's hard. It's difficult. We like to retreat from change. We are creatures of habit and comfort. What would happen through the life of this church if this is the kind of vision that we adopted? What if we had God's heart and we're a church on mission? What if we believed that every piece of blessing that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ to rest on us is not meant to stop with us? Our modern inward focus echoes Genesis 11. Nothing has changed in our sin nature. But you know what, my friend? If you have your faith in Jesus, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And do you know what God has committed to you? What he's entrusted to you? He's entrusted to you the ministry of reconciliation. That means he's entrusted to you, Christian, not paid professionals, you. He's entrusted to deliver to people the good news that they can be reconciled to God by faith in Jesus. So, what I want to do in closing is I want to comfort you with the end of the story. Y'all know where I'm going. God's plans are not going to be stopped. We simply have the choice to join him or not. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, they sang a new song. This is our future. Saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Two chapters later, verse 9, chapter 7. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from what? Every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Right now, City Light, if every Christian in the globe shared Jesus with every single person that they had ever known, there would still be three billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus. I want to give you a really cool thing that's happening in our church in closing. We have the opportunity here in Omaha that is quite unique. Um, international presence is here in our city. Um, there are over a million international students who come from some of the least reached places on the globe to study right here in Omaha. Um, we have a ministry we, we talked about earlier in our announcements called Global Friends. Global Friends exists to build cross-cultural relationships with students and care for them here in our city. Um, this Thanksgiving party that's coming up uh, on Saturday is going to represent probably some 40 countries, maybe more. Uh, there could be upwards of 200 students that are there. And they are the future leaders. They are the future um, influencers. They are people who are going to turn around and, and, and hold next generation influence in their homeland. And we have an opportunity right here in front of us to minister to them with the gospel. Why would we not take advantage of that? And so what I want to do is I want to I pray 
um, here in a moment over Global Friends. And we've got Don Arendt, who's here with us. Uh, actually, Don, are you in the room? Oh, yeah, Don, you're right there. Okay, come up here. Ladies and gentlemen, get up for Don. Realize how old I am. I should look at before I uh, walk right. under those stairs over there. Okay, this is awesome. Don is going to share with us the story of Global Friends, and he's going to paint a picture for how our church can take one step uh, in the direction of caring for the nations. So tell us about Global Friends, tell us some stories, okay, and we're thank here to you. listen. Thank you. It's good to be here this morning. Boy, it's, uh, isn't God good? I look out at the faces out there, and the joy of the Lord is here, and that's, that's exciting. But uh, to give you some overview on Global Friends, it started as a mom-and-pop ministry uh, my father was a very unique fellow. He, uh, uh, he was flawed like any individual, but he had a big sense of urgency when it came to witnessing to people. He was kind of an itinerant evangelist, I guess I would call it. So growing up, you can never be any place on time because he would find somebody to share the gospel with and corner them and, and, uh, and, and tell them about Jesus. And... Uh, Many people did respond, but after his retirement, he um, really focused in on internationals, and he would go to, uh, loiter at grocery stores where he knew the internationals would uh, shop at. I don't know, do people remember old No Frills? That was a grocery store chain that, that's no longer around, but that's one of the favorite places he would hang out because internationals would uh, tend to shop there, so anyway... Um, I, I remember he would uh, invite some of them over. One I remember in particular, his name was Abdul. He was one of the first Afghanis to come to the Omaha area. That, that was way back in the, the 80s. And, uh, and then he, he developed some friendships with uh, a man named Marshall. He was an advisor to the king of Afghanistan. So uh, he met some very influential people. And uh, Marshall and his family would come to church uh, on Sundays, and uh, last summer, his da daughter got saved and was baptized, so it did have a long-term impact. Uh, now, my sister uses our parents' home every week to reach the nations. Uh, sometimes there's well over 100 people that, uh, that come uh, from, from UNO, Creighton, to different colleges, uh, and, and other places sometimes, and they're from several nations. Sometimes there, we had a lot of Omanis recently, Saudis. Right now there's a lot of Japanese. Uh, sometimes people, a lot from the Middle East, Africa. I mean, all of Europe, everywhere they come from. And uh, sometimes we have over 100 that cram into my sister's house and, and they get a meal, which draws the, a lot of them. And uh, then the gospel shared. And uh, a neat trend has been that uh, a lot of them have been after, after the meal and an activity, they can choose whether they want to go to a, a Bible event uh, or a, where they read the Bible or to an English event. And, and more and more have been choosing uh, the Bible, and that, that's been very exciting. Um, so some of them, that's the first time they've even seen a Bible. They don't even know what a Bible is. And uh, so anyway, there, there's... Some additional sites that have been developed through the through this time, uh, Okaboji, in the summertime, there's a, a site there, Fort Collins, Lincoln, Bellevue, and um, just last summer in Okaboji, a Muslim 
uh, a fellow uh, from Turkey uh, was baptized after uh, accepting Christ. So that's exciting. And uh, that, that's, that's a good transition for me since he was from Turkey because then we, the next Saturday is the, the banquet. So, and I, I think there'll be Turkey there. Not, so just a little transition. But anyway, um, so anyway, but uh, it's, it's exciting because I, I encourage you all, anybody that can come, please come because uh, you'll, you'll meet these dear uh, students from over the world that some of them, their, their spirits are so sweet and they, you know, and they're like, like Glenn said, we're, we're, we're all made in God's image and we're all valuable to God. So, uh, Anyway, but Global Friends does have an impact, and, uh, and it, it reaches all for a long, long, you know, over time. And one of the, the people that uh, did become a Christian through Global Friends is Ricky, and she's from Japan, and she's been here for a little while on a visit, and she's going back tomorrow. But if I could have her come up, I would like her to share her testimony. Yeah, go over this with Okay, here's. Um, 26 years ago, I was a student at UNO and uh, looking for American uh, to have a conversation with me to learn English. And I happened to meet uh, Don's sister, Julie, and she invited me to uh, move to her house. And uh, one day, Julie took me his, uh, her father's house, Bill, the dance father, and he treated me um, uh, with joy, and he said to me hello in 50 different languages, and I had a great time with him, but I didn't know he was dying um, of cancer, so after three weeks we met, I attended his funeral, and I after the funeral at the coffee table, I asked, you know, people around, what was the source of his love? Or what was the source of his joy? Because I didn't know he was dying, but he was full of joy. And uh, one of the attendees just, uh, you know, shared me, do you know why? Because of Jesus. And I just thought, I need it. I want it. And so at the funeral, coffee table, I accepted Christ. Yeah, it was great. So it's good to know um, God uses our life. And um, through each uh, Christian, uh, he drove people to him. And then before coming here uh, in Japan, I, I knew a lot of missionaries are sent to our countries uh, for a long time, but never heard of the uh, Bible. And after I just, you know, opened the Bible three weeks and came to Christ. And so it's amazing. Um, if I don't count here, I had never had some chance to listen 
to the good news and accept uh, the great gift from God. And we, uh, I am a first generation of uh, believer in my life, uh, in my family, and now I have sung, uh, and uh, I try to succeed my uh, faith to next generation. Yes. So I, I appreciate your prayer. Stay up here. Stay here. Yeah. I'm going to use this. I have my other one turned off. Good. We want to pray for you, Don, and for Over Global Friends. Um, and we just want to pray and give thanks, Ricky, for your story. Thank you for sharing this morning. Church, would you join me? God, would you please increase our awe of you? Remind us today that you are committed and devoted to your glory and our joy. Um, I want to read over this congregation Psalm 67. And God, would you make this true of us? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Amen.